This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by Noble Knight, where Out of Print is available again. And listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and DMs Guild affiliate links, and for become pa- becoming patrons at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 299, we're going to make a pact with the Cobalt as we discuss the Warlock Patreon project. And first off, we need to mention our guests for the episode. So joining Tracy and I are two patrons of the project and regulars on the Tome Show. We have with us the monstrous ecologist himself, Jeremiah McCoy. Welcome back, sir. Greetings and salutations. You don't actually have to do the monstrous ecologist voice the whole time, though. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll skip doing it. I, I, I actually recorded an, an episode recently, so Ooh. it's still stuck in my head a little bit. There you go, there you go. Uh, I, well, and I'm used to, uh, for years, having you at my gaming table, and it seems like that, that the monstrous ecologist sort of uh, accent is not unfamiliar to you in some of your characters. It's it's true. Uh, I can I can drop in them. And... There you go. Yeah. And you may have heard his voice already, uh, also with us in this episode, from many previous appearances here and uh, at Appendix Inn. In fact, I think, if I remember correctly, he was just on uh, when we recorded an episode just a week ago about druids. Uh, welcome back, Reverend Lewis Brinton. Good evening. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, you, you, you're you a, a stable go-to guy, uh, always available <laughs> and willing to, to throw in your two cents. Well, very happy to do it. I, I love the show. I've been a fan for a long time, and I was thrilled when I got to start joining in a while back. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, and speaking of joining in and throwing around uh, some pennies, there you go. Uh, <laughs> in this episode, we'll be reviewing the Warlock Patreon project by Cobalt Press. Uh, the idea is if you support the project on patreon.com slash Press for as little as a dollar a month, you'll get some insight into what they're working on, you can regularly receive PDFs of these mini-magazines, uh, all centered around a theme and largely tied to the Midgard campaign setting that Cobalt Press has generally worked within. Before we dive into the review of this uh, project, though, we should mention our sponsor, Noble Knight. They are an online and brick-and-mortar store that specializes in finding out-of-print products while still carrying everything new. My pick for this episode is another Kobold Press patronage project called Lost City. Uh, It was created in the days of 4th edition uh, using a patronage system that Kobold Press had been using for a long time on a lot of projects before the the age of Patreon's ascendancy. Uh, It includes work from our very own Tracy Hurley. Tracy, you worked on this project. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So, uh... A lost city in the desert. You can explore it. There's some items. I, actually, I was kind of uh, surprised reading through this one. I guess not overly surprised, but some elements reappear. So, like, mm. there's a garden, uh, some awesome plant creatures, uh, a few other things, things like that, and obviously a mystery to solve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Lost City, I imagine, has uh, enough in it that even if you're playing Fifth Edition or Third Edition or Pathfinder or whatever, there's there's elements of inspiration you could pull from it in story and things. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Right on. So, so that sounds great. And and is it also? I believe it's also set in the Midgard setting. Yes. I believe so. It 
it was kind of a little bit off um, on its own. Okay. But uh, I, it, it is within the, the overall setting. But I think it came out before they were doing a ton of the Midgard. Like, there were some things that were already Midgard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but, I mean, like, oh, yeah, go ahead. I feel like after that was when a lot of the Zobek stuff came out. Uh-huh. But I'm not sure. Okay, yeah. I know they, they started off, like, setting a lot of their adventures and products and stuff in the Midgard setting without actually, like, detailing the Midgard setting very very much other than what you needed for that product. Uh, right. and, then, and then eventually it sort of grew to become po- became popular enough that Wolfgang uh, and the rest of the Kobold crew said, you know what, let's just go ahead and do a campaign setting so people know what, what else is out there in the world. So Right. Yeah, so there's definitely a lot of that because like, I didn't have to read a lot of uh, setting material before we, we worked on it. So it was right. kind of a standalone thing in that way. Very good. Uh, so right now, the this product is only $15 at Noble Knight. That's $10 off the regular price. Pretty darn good good deal. Uh, and if you go over and decide to check it out, make sure you tell them that the Tome Show sent you. Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers. Use a Noble Knight. To sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. It's trying to sound creepy, though. So, uh, full disclosure, we've already mentioned that uh, three of us, I think, are patrons of the, the Warlock Kobold Press patronage. Uh, that is uh, Jeremiah, Lewis, and myself. It sounds like Jeremiah and Lewis, you are both uh, patrons at the. Well, Jeremiah, you said you're at the five dollar level. Yeah, I, I get the the print product. So you can talk to the the things that are at the three dollar level, like the the layers, but you also can talk about the the print booklet. Uh, and Lewis, if I may ask, what level are you at? Uh, I am also at the $5 print level, so uh, I get the paper copy, and I get the layer PDFs, and I get the PDF copy of the of the Warlock. Perfect. So you guys can talk about more than me. I'm only at the dollar level. I get PDFs of the basic Warlock th- uh, magazine. I don't get, or booklet, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's 20, now what, 24 pages? Um, 24. So, so it's hard to call it a magazine, but it's not... It's not a module because it's a series of articles, and it, it's some. It's a. It's I don't know. A, what do we want to call it? A booklet. It's a zine. A zine. It's a zine. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I, so, uh, uh, it has been often commented that I am old. As <laughs> um, <laughs> I say, tell the whippersnappers what a zine is. <laughs> so, <laughs> zines were very popular in both. Uh, the science fiction circles before gaming became a thing and in the gaming circles in the early days of of gaming. They were printed by, often by hand, using a Mimeo machine or something, uh, by, uh, you know, an enthusiast. Just as a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this thing, I can't really afford to make a magazine, but I'll put a little brochure level, little booklet level thing out on a regular basis mm-hmm. with content in it. And in science fiction circles, a lot of the famous writers got their start in that. Uh, and, and, uh, and the, uh, the, the gaming circles, some of the early development work for D and D before it became a thing was done in 
basically zines and, mm. and letter chains and things like that. And this is very much in that that vein. And then I feel like in yeah. the in the nineties we got the e zine sort of uh, resurgence of the zine concept. Absolutely. Uh, and then and then. Kobold Press has done a full-blown magazine for years with Kobold Quarterly um, for a long time. And I think – and they've done a lot of PDF products as well. I feel like they've gotten good at it. Like the, your description of the zine I think is right on and I think it matches this perfectly. But it's also worth pointing out I think that uh, that this is happening at a, at a professional level. Like it has – high quality art and it's well laid out and it's it doesn't feel like an amateurish sort of project no that's right it's a uh, it's it's black and white it's just uh, it's real simple on that way but it doesn't look cheap the, the the quality of the print and the paper is nice it looks good yeah well, i can't do the paper but the pdf is high quality yeah tracy yes i said they're not gluing in the content and the Right. Uh, it, it, it's stapled. Um, it's uh, sort of a cardboard thickness on the, the outside, but it's not glossy. Um, mm-hmm. And it's standard, you know, sort of printer paper on the inside. Uh, they come from Card Kingdom. So I suspect that uh, they have a deal with Card Kingdom mm-hmm. to produce these for them. Um, but the, the artwork is, you know, top tier artwork it's just i would say that the the actual production value like the the physical production value is you know it, it's about on par for the like a program guide at a local convention or mm-hmm. something it's it's not very uh high quality production on on the physical production the artwork the layout the writing is all you know well done. excellent yeah sure yeah like you would expect from them, and, and we we got into this uh, from the middle of our of our full disclosure conversation. Uh, I believe Tracy got. Uh, oh no, you didn't get review copies. You bought it, right? Well, I got two copies um, as review copies, and then I bought okay. the third one. Okay. Yeah, um, because I was supposed to share things, and then I didn't, and and Tracy went out and, and purchased it. So. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. And, and, and Lewis, you got some review copies of some back catalog stuff that you hadn't been able to pick up, right? Yes, I'd, I did not jump in right away on uh, on Warlock. I came in between I- issue two and issue three. And so I, uh, I've got, I, ha- I previously, I'd already pledged to get PDFs and, and Lair stuff and the paper book for issue three on. And that also gave me access to all the layer stuff. There are seven total layers they've put out mm. and I have all but the first two. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of the, the sort of, um, level of, of rewards, I guess if you, if you just, uh, pledge at the dollar level a month that like I do, you get a PDF of the, of the main, um, product of, of, you know, Warlock issue one, two, and three is what I'm at. Uh, if you pledge at third or three dollars a month, you get uh, a short adventure, which is what these layers are. At least that's how they describe them. I haven't seen them because I don't pledge at that level. Uh, and and they're up to um, they they are now making enough money in the patron uh, project that they're producing two of those a month. It says. Uh, and yeah. as you as you pledge more than that, as you give more than that in the in the project, then you start getting print copies, which uh, depends on where you live, might you know change how much it costs. Um, and then eventually, if they get to it, then you'll get things like um, 
there's going to be like a, a yearly omnibus gazetteer collecting all of it. Um, there's plans for, or you get to, at, at higher levels, you get to guide some of the content. You get to give some feedback of sort of what their, their theme should be and what kind of stuff you want to see. And at high enough level, you can actually say, I want to see this specific lore and, and get all kinds of insight into how the thing is produced. Does that more or less cover all the levels? Yeah, I believe so. I think the only thing you didn't mention is just it, well, you you touched on it slightly, but there there are opportunities at some of the higher pledge levels to very directly interact mm. with the Cobalt people. Um, uh, live occasional Q and A's um, mm-hmm. and uh, requesting uh, input and things like that. So yeah, but yeah, pretty much that's it. Mm-hmm. And the um, the early, oh, go ahead. I was going to point out that the. Uh, the annual uh, grimoire book, um, they actually set a, a limit on the number of people who could get that, and right. they've sold it out at $23 a month. Yep. So you can't you can't pledge for that anymore unless somebody drops out, I suppose. I guess so. So there you are. Uh, so yeah, so um, there's it's interesting to look at. Like when I when I go through the the credits, for example, I see um, early on, there's a lot more of Wolfgang himself sort of contributing and some of the the standard go-to Kobold Press writers, Dan Dillon, Ben McFarland, uh, Richard Green. Uh, they all write a lot of things for Kobold Press. So you see a lot of that in issue one. Um, you see similar people in issue two, adding in some others that are also pretty standard. John Swatsky. Swatoski, I don't know how to say his name. Uh, but I noticed by by issue three, they're starting to branch out into some new people um, that are not necessarily – like they may have appeared in some Cold Bowl products like Sean Merwin um, or or uh, they're trying out some, some other people or whatever. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to, to get into some new things and, and let some other people sort of stretch their wings and, and contribute. So it has developed and changed a little bit even in the, in the few months that it's been going from issue one into issue three. Uh, has anybody else noticed any other sort of um, evolutions in the the in Warlock of our time? Uh, yeah, one thing I picked up on uh, when I read issue one, what I thought was, you know, it would make a lot of sense because there, there's typically four to five articles. Um, like issue one uh, has, uh, oh, that's issue three. I'm looking at <laughs> issue one has one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five articles in about twenty pages, mm-hmm. and the others have twenty-four pages, so they get to six-ish. But uh, the the issue one, everything was kind of standalone. And, but then I thought to myself, you know, it'd be great if they kind of focused and all did similar things with their different articles. And then turn around in issue two, there were um, two different ones specifically about the blood magic part of the Midgard world, which was good. And then issue three, there's a definite evolution to where pretty much it, nearly everything in issue three is – Zobek related um, in and around the, the the big city of Zobek and, yeah. and under it especially. Well, and that and that's worth noting. Like each issue has a theme, right? So the first issue is is Midgard and the Mythos. So it, it deals with you know in the 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 realm between the stars, sort of uh, Lovecraftian sort of Mythos stuff in the Midgard setting. 
but that's that's, really, true. that's yeah. very broad and big and could encompass a lot of different disparate things all over the setting of Midgard and all kinds of different concepts, uh, even independent of Midgard. Uh, the second one is Dread Magic, which is just about as big and broad and, and encompassing. Uh, and then the third one is Undercity, which is a very specific location, not just in Zobak, but specifically under Zobak. Uh, and yes. so it, it it zooms way in. And I don't know which kind of theme I like better. Um, the the more focused theme or the, the bigger, broader theme. What do you guys think? Um, the way I, I, go sorry. ahead, Jeremiah. <laughs> I was going to say that uh, uh, you know, this sort of ties into something broader that I was going to say, which is I I wanted a thing like this uh, for D anD D in general. Like uh-huh. the they got Dragon Plus exists, and it's all right. I I don't dislike it, but it it certainly you know, not a bunch of content for your games. Right. As a general rule, there's it's a, more there's prom- usually, it's a lot of promotional stuff, right? It's, you know, this is how we did this thing. And this is how we did this thing. And they occasionally will put a story in there or an article, but for the most part, it's just promotional stuff. Whereas this is actual content for the game. And it's a, a publication that I wanted as a regular basis. That said, uh, the focused version is nice, uh, but it feels like it might be a little too constraining for them in the future. I, I want, you know, I, show me more of Midgard, you know, as, as mm. in general. Um, but it, yeah, the, the focus uh, does at least allow them to say to writers, okay, I want an article on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's very useful to them. Well, and... and- I, I don't know Midgard well enough, honestly, to be able to say, like, are there lots of different sort of Undercity-like places that they could have done a sort of a, a, a general Undercity sort of exploration and, and not zoom in so much onto just the Undercity of Zobek? Or is Zobek really the one place where that's a thing that kind of exists in the setting? And so, and so in order to mm. even talk about that concept thematically, that's the location they kind of had to go to for inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, and I would I would want to say I mean I, th- I I suspect that Jeremiah are about the same age, and uh, for me that means reading Dragon Magazine a ton when I was in high school in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a huge part of my life, and uh, in fact, man, I I just loved I I love Dragon Magazine like a fat kid loves cake. I just I ate it up. I loved it, and uh, what these have in them is the, these articles are really they remind me very much. And I'm sure the coloration helps with that. They remind me of the black and white parts of Dragon Magazine from back in the day, which were usually the meaty articles of stuff you can drop into your game. You know, something very specific about that that you can grab and put into your game that weren't – this isn't promotional. This isn't – telling you about some new product that's coming out like jeremiah mentioned it's not there's no ads in this this is just hey here's some stuff and what i like about it is most of the stuff you can grab a drop in now i'm not run i don't have my party running around in midgard if i did this would be ideal but there's still a decent amount that i can yank and put into my sure my current campaigns i mean okay zobek is is like water deep a, li- a little bit yeah, just in, yeah. in, in its in its sort of metropolitanish nature. 
Yeah, you could yeah. just as easily drop all the Undercity stuff underwater deep, change well, the names, and you're fine. I was going to say, more than Zobek is like Waterdeep to me, uh, Undercity in Zobek is like Skullport, which is the city under Waterdeep. Like, yeah. um, there is a whole, and, and we, we haven't gotten into the let's talk about each issue thing, but there was a whole section on, like, the civilization in these tunnels and waterways and whatever under the docks of Zobek. And I'm like, hey, this is just kind of Skullport with more water. So. Mm. But, yes. but in any case, uh, I want to talk about this idea of, of the Midgardishness of it all. Uh, you both sort of mentioned the concept, uh, and I'd love to hear from Tracy because we haven't heard from Tracy much lately. Uh, <laughs> uh, the... Every article is framed around the setting of Midgard, and in some cases, it's just straight up, let us describe for you a location in Midgard. Sometimes yes. it's, it's a, we're going to give you some magic items, but here's sort of a Midgardian uh, uh, hook to, to tie them all together and have it make sense or whatever, right? So, But it's all sort of Midgardish, collected and, and connected. Um, are any of us playing in Midgard? I am not. Um, I I actually picked up the uh, the old Midgard campaign setting uh, just a few months ago, but I can't find it. I just moved houses a few months ago, and I've been walking around this week knowing this conversation was going to come up suspicious because I've, I'm missing a whole box of books. So I own it, but I, I have not done much in Midgard myself. You couldn't hold out for the new one to come out? They, they just kickstarted I, a new version. <laughs> I, I know. I, just, I, I could not do it. Okay. I, I I actually, backed, I actually backed the Kickstarter for the mm -hmm. new version. Uh, but, you, but you don't have the old version? Uh, I do have the old version oh, okay. in PDF, actually. Okay, yep. um, I am not currently running in Midgard, mainly because... Have you run in Midgard before? Uh, say again? Have you run in Midgard before? I have not. Okay. Um, it's just the circumstances, uh, the last really active D, D group I, I had was when I was living in North Carolina and fourth edition was out. Um, and, uh, since then I've had some spotty games here and there, and most of them are, you know, p player created, uh, worlds. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't had a chance. It's not because I don't like the material because mm -hmm. I've liked what I saw. It was mm -hmm. quite well written. I just haven't had a chance. Yeah, I, and I picked mine up because I I actually wanted to look into doing some running around in Midgard. Okay. Um, so I I I have ambition to do some Midgard stuff. I haven't done it yet. Okay, so Tracy, have you run in Midgard at all? You you rode in Midgard for Lost City, but have you have you actually played in Midgard? No, I usually do homebrew. Um, mm -hmm. So there's always a chance that I would pull stuff in, but I typically don't run in any uh, pre-written setting. <laughs> Right. And I think that's worth noting. So we have we have four people now who have all spent money on Warlock, uh, which is really heavily steeped in the Midgard setting, and none of us are playing anything having to do with the Midgard setting. So yes, how so well? Can, may, yeah, how well does may that I tell work you for why? Us? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Let me tell you why. Um, two two related reasons. One of which I've already kind of touched on is this reminded me so much of the meaty parts of Dragon Magazine that I almost couldn't help myself. I just had to go get it, period. And uh, But second, I'm just such a great appreciator, and I know he's a friend of yours. I've never gotten to meet him, but uh, of Wolfgang Bauer and what Kobold are doing in general. 
Um, Cobalt, in my opinion, is obviously the best third-party producer for D&D. It's just so clear. It's not even in question in my mind. And uh, everything I just love and everything Wolf does, I just I just love. Uh, his, his articles, the stuff he's done are my favorite things in these. He's my favorite guest when you have him on. I, just, I love everything he does. So he, man, I just, his fingerprint on it was enough to make me 50% more interested already. Well, my favorite guest is Lewis Brinton, so there. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the rest of you? How, how well does the, the Midgard stuff fly for you, given that none of us are actually playing in Midgard? I, um, I find that I can easily convert pretty much anything that they come out with to work in any world. Mm. Um, Midgard has a distinct some distinct elements, but much like Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk, it has enough genericness to its fantasy world that you can, you know, lift most anything out of it and put it into a different world and just it works just fine. I think I would describe it as it has enough variety uh, more than right. genericness. Like there's just so much different stuff going on that you can find some, some inspiration in whatever sort of weird corner of the world you go to. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, for instance, it. this is a, a perhaps a, a side road, but mm-hmm. let's go down it for a moment. You look at something like Dark Sun. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what's in Dark Sun doesn't lift easily and go into another world. Okay. A lot of what's in other worlds don't lift well and go into Dark Sun. Um, the, the feel, the themes are, you know, written deeply into the whole setting all the way across. Whereas, uh, you know, something like a, a, a Greyhawk or a Forgotten Realms or Mistara or, you know, uh, even Birthright to a certain extent um, and Midgard all have, uh, here are some generic European fantasy tropes with a few extra bits here and there to give you some variety that you can do. Mm. But that, that makes it easier for you to sort of interchangeably lift things out and put them back in somewhere else. Yeah, I guess it makes it easier. I, do, I guess I wouldn't have any problem. Like, if I saw a cool location in Dark Sun, I would. That there's still enough inspiration there. And that's sort of where I am with Warlock. Like, I'm not running Midgard. A lot of the, the specifics and lore and, and people and whatever that are being described here... Um, I don't know what is a reference to to Midgard stuff. I, I read the book a long time ago when, uh, when we reviewed it, um, but I, I'm not a big Midgard buff here. Um, so I mean, I, I I could I I can get inspiration from this setting in these articles about as much as I can get inspiration from from many other uh, fantasy lore bits that I can that I might run into whether it's TV movies or other settings including you know Dark Sun or Ravenloft or the realms right sure yeah and uh, Midgard and I don't I wouldn't claim and I'm certainly not the Midgard expert in this conversation but some oh, I don't things know. That, that, well maybe I am <laughs> uh, but uh some things that Midgard brings to the table that are a little off the center overlap of most fantasy rpgs um what he 
does with uh, what, what they do with um, the void is kind of mm-hmm. the, the chaos magic-y angle, very Warhammer feeling, uh, which I like a lot. Um, they work a lot of the Cthulhu mythos mm-hmm. directly into their world. Um, they, uh, they they do a lot more Fae stuff than at least 5th edition has done so far. I remember mm-hmm. y'all commenting on that when you were reviewing the Tome of Beasts. Yep. That there's a real shortage of Fey related stuff, and they bring a lot of Fey stuff to the table to kind of fill out some gaps in Five E, and uh, and the different flavors of magic that they bring. I, I'm looking in particular at the blood magic material from Warlock issue two, and our friend Dan Dillon wrote this article called "Arsenal of Villains: Blood Calls to Blood," and it's all blood magic related artifacts and weapons and things like that and man i've got my crew running or one of my crews running around in ravenloft right now mm. and i'm gonna lift some of these bad boys and uh, stick them right into that it just fits perfect so tracy how does how does all the midgard stuff play out for you as a as a homebrew uh player um uh it's i don't know how to put it it's a little tough uh, I like a lot of it because mm-hmm. um, I actually tended to like a lot more of like European uh, fairy tale type stuff, which also he, um, Wolfgang I think overall has liked to bring in, and definitely the, the larger crew at Cobalt Press has brought in. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's hard because, like, I was reading through this and I kind of felt there was a lack of women in there. Mm. And just, this is great. Definitely, I I just looked through again, and and the art because like I'm loving the art, except I wish there were more women, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort Absolutely. of thing. Uh, but I, I liked a lot some of the blood magic. I'm not as big in the um, uh, this has come up not necessarily in these three, uh, but like the very gritty feel that some of the the Midgard stuff has. Um. The blood magic didn't bother me as much, but um, sometimes there's a lot more of like the slavery type thing mm-hmm. in here. Uh, that's harder for me to, to, yeah, to there's, pull in. There's discussions of of slavery. There's discussions of like what are the brothel houses and and charnel houses and in the, in the undercity. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. The setting gets a little gritty sometimes. Sure. Yeah, yeah. and those aren't the items I would. Not, so. I, given that there's only three and it felt like um, things that I'm not necessarily as interested in were heavy in them, but that's not, that's not necessarily a fair review of how this is going to go uh, overall or that it's necessarily bad or anything like that. Absolutely. Just harder for me to try to figure out how to do it. The yeah. one thing yeah. I loved was fonts of poison and power. The, the, the wells or the, the fountains. Yeah. Yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. So I, that, and I, and I did like the fact that, there was um, a, a fair bit of lore in, in, uh, with the parable one of the giving mm-hmm. angel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, yeah, so and yeah, that, and, but, and, but most of that lore was not setting specific lore. And, and and I'm I'm in a similar boat with with all of you. Of course, I don't I don't run Midgard. I read the campaign setting a long time ago, so I have some vague recollections of sort of the setting and how it works. And I keep up with a, 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 uh, some of the kobold stuff, so I, I kind of have an idea of, of where things are and what's going on with the Midgard lore, and certainly not being uh, steeped in that lore, not a, not uh, living in that world very much. Uh, there's a lot, like, as I'm reading some of the articles, which are very specific, like, let me tell you about this little region of this part of the world sort of stuff, that mm-hmm. it makes me think, oh, is this what it's like for all the non-Realms fan, having to read all those Realms articles for all those years? <laughs> you know? Uh, because there's yeah. a... 
Because there's a lot of it, like, I absolutely get inspiration from, but it just doesn't have the oomph for me. You know, I'll read through it. It's like, oh, that's kind of a cool feature. I'll just rip off that that weird spiral stair coming up over the mountain thing uh, and throw that in my in my campaign next week or whatever, right? So there's good little bits of inspiration like that. But there's also a lot of that lore that uh, is not, like, because I'm not a Midgard person, it's not... Uh, real engaging for me and there's a lot of it that's like if I did become a Midgard person and start running in Midgard like I recognize that there's now some backlog of lore but I'm probably not going to seek it out like uh, the stuff that you know if I get into Midgard and I start running there the stuff that comes out while I'm running there I'll look at and and take some interest in and see how it interacts with the part of the world I'm playing in right now right Uh, but I'm not likely to sort of go back through the archives and and seek out that stuff maybe other people are um that's not me. One one thing I will add concerning the Midgard-ishness of it, when I read the Midgard campaign guide, the 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 one that has come out, mm-hmm. um, it it gave a a certain feel to it uh, that you know that that sort of generic feel, the uh, generic European style fantasy, and that's not a, a knock. It's it's good standard familiar stuff we all know and love um but when i read the stuff in the warlock it had a slightly different feel Mm. it feels much more like lankmar okay it 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 feels uh very much like uh the the sort of stuff that fafford and the gray mouser might run into in, in what way? I'm not familiar with... I mean, I'm familiar with Lank, uh, Lankmar, but I've never actually read any of the books. Um, there is a... I, I, Tracy said, like, grittiness. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Uh, there's a certain grittiness to the world they live in. Mm-hmm. Everything is a little dirty, a little broken. There aren't really shining heroes there. It's, you know, you're in the muck and you have to do the best you can. Um, and it it felt like much more that flavor of fantasy mm-hmm. than the Midgard main book like. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think, and I think that might be fair. The, the Midgard uh, campaign setting that came out years ago um, was really dense. That's my primary memory of it. Like it was a lot of content, a lot of information. Uh, and so, uh, I I don't know if that influences the the generalness uh, in terms of the field, but I feel like the setting has has evolved and developed over time and over usage, and as they've figured out how to portray it in different ways, um, and I, I I imagine that's why they they kickstarted and are working on uh, a newer updated version and one that's specifically five uh, e uh, geared. Absolutely, um, and it's uh it. I mean, I, I've. It, it just it occurred to me while I was thinking about the the campaign while we were talking about it just now. I was I was thinking, yeah, this is this is a slightly different field than what the campaign book hmm. read like. Okay. Yeah. So so the midgardiness is interesting to me. Um, that that's my official term for it. The midgardiness. Um, I, I'm curious, I wonder, like, how many uh, Warlock patrons are just Midgard superfans, and, and this is exactly what they're looking for, um, and how many of them are like us? Certainly 100% of us are like us. 
you know, <laughs> pretty much by yes. definition, right? Um, so, but I, I, I'm curious how many, what that breakdown is, and and how well they're they're being served. Now, the the fact of the matter is, like a lot of it is Midgardy in very general sense. Okay, here's kind of a wizard, and he does this thing, and he has these followers, and he made these magic items, and whatever, right? And you could plunk that into just about anything, even some of the the more specific locations. Um, you could you could take hey there there's some neat ideas there and find inspiration for it uh but there is some some pretty heavy lore bits that are midgard specific uh, that said given that they are up to a point where they're producing 6 to 8 issues a year um as a patron at a dollar a month i am paying less than 2 dollars per issue uh for less than 2 dollars per issue i'm happy to get 24 pages of inspiration that I can just strip out like features, not even whole regions, not even like a city, whatever. Just like, hey, that's a cool feature. I'm going to steal that and stick it in, in my game next week or whatever. Um, so given that it's not a very uh, pricey buy-in, uh, I find it to be worthwhile. Now, now Tracy, you spent, what, $4 a product? $4 an issue? Now, you got two of them as review copies. Uh, but that's a different investment, right? $4 is is... Um, again, by definition, not two dollars, <laughs> right? So I am I am good with numbers today. Uh, Someone's a teacher. <laughs> yes. Uh, so so it's a different investment. Can you imagine um, whether how into this product would you be at twice the price? I guess is my question. Uh, I think it would be hard for me to want to pay four dollars per issue. Uh. But I am thinking that I should back at a dollar and get the awesome art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it would be hard. Because I think, like, a lot of what I would use is the art and then occasionally things like, like I said, the fonts or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, maybe some of the creatures. Uh, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the creatures are always interesting because... Like, I enjoy seeing the creatures and even the magic items and that kind of stuff, but it doesn't usually work very well into my workflow in this format, right? Having a bunch of little small PDFs uh, floating around is not something I'm likely to reference when I'm like, okay, I got a game tomorrow. I need some monsters, right? Yeah, and then also, uh, I don't know, maybe we can talk about it. Uh, It was... It was a little hard for me to understand to really feel like when certain uh, items should be used. I guess that was one of the problems mm-hmm. I did have reading it, is because it was like a mixture of different articles, um, understanding like what levels they were. Sometimes they say like what level it's supposed to be for, but sometimes you get uh, articles and there's just a, a random item of various rarity thrown mm-hmm. in, uh, and. Reading it, like, because I was thinking one thing at first in my mind, and I was like, man, that seems really overpowered. And then I was like, well, I don't know. Who is it really for? Right. Well, and, and similarly, like, every now and then I would run into something in the books that are the, the zines uh, that um, I'm like, this isn't clear. I'm not sure how this is supposed to work. Um, they've missed some some important information here or or whatever. Uh, even descriptions of certain regions, I'm like, I, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm not a big Midgard person. Maybe I don't have the background, but it's not really 
deep, uh, deeply explained enough in this little blurb uh, for me to really sort of grok what's going on. Uh, and I wonder sure. if some of that comes from the fact that it's, it's being produced. It's small articles. They're being produced relatively quickly on, on kind of a shoestring budget, I imagine. Um, uh, they don't have, they don't list anyway playtesting. So I don't imagine there's a lot of playtesting that goes into it to sort of shore those things up and check those things out. Um, so, so I think that's something that you might bump into as well. Like that, that's going to come up like, like it did in, you know, Dragon Magazine back in the day as, as well, right? It's a magazine that's coming out regularly. There's not enough time to like playtest everything. Right. And another comment to make about this stuff being rooted in Midgard, um, even if you are not a Midgard person, uh, these, 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 uh, the zines and also the, uh, the little lair things that they put out both reference Tome of Beasts fairly often. And not uh, just so, Tome of Beasts. Uh, they, yes. they reference Tome of Beasts. I think there was at least one reference to, um, uh, one, one of the deep magic products. Yes. Uh, there yeah. was one reference to uh, a Dan Dillon uh, blog article, I think, at one point, which is, you know, free. So so it's not – so so well, uh, I think, McCoy, you mentioned that it's – Jeremiah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeremiah <laughs> mentioned that uh, um, it's not really promotional in the, in the way that they're talking about the latest product coming out. There is some sort of cross-referencing. Uh, and, Absolutely. And you'll get more yeah. out of this the more steeped into Cobalt View as you are. Yeah, uh, that's, that's true. Yes. Yeah. And uh, now I would say, I mean, I, it's, my, it's my opinion that every single self-described 5e DM right. ought to own the Tome of Beasts anyway. Um, it's To me, it's, it's the first thing you should buy after the three core books um so i in my opinion it ought to be on everybody's shelf anyway but it's not you know and uh and yeah there's a lot of stuff you couldn't do without the tome of beasts yeah although i mean a lot of it's you know references to various creatures and whatever i mean obviously it's references to creatures it's the tome of beasts but uh you know you could substitute in something or whatever just to make sense if you're just pulling inspiration here but if you're yes. if you really want to get the most out of it then then you kind of it's it's like buying apple products right the more you're inv- steeped in that environment the more it all works together and 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 <laughs> you know uh they they want you uh, to sort of be in that ecosystem, right? And and Warlock wants you to be sort of in the Kobold Press ecosystem of keeping up with the other things that they do, so that you can reference the stuff that 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 crosses over. Yes, that's right, and that's probably not an unreasonable hope for them. I mean, right. they're not sure. they're they're a business. I I want all those guys to to make a living. I want them to feed their kids. In fact, I I appreciate their stuff so much. I hope they're all millionaires. I know they're not, but I wish yeah. they were. <laughs> well, yeah. and I think if 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 somebody is a patron of a project like this by Cobalt Press, which is available at, uh, what was it, patreon.com slash Cobalt Press, I think is the, the website, right? Um, so if, if somebody is patronizing this project, um, they're probably at least somewhat steeped into the Cobalt Press environment anyway, I'd imagine. Well, there's that. And also, I mean, we, we brought up Dragon Magazine and, uh, before, just like Dragon Magazine, it references some print products. Um, you know, Dragon Magazine had print products that it talked about. You know, that yeah. talked about uh, the Monster Manual or the DMG or what have you. So well, it's not that unusual. But D and D also assumes that you that you have access to the core books. Uh, Dragon Magazine would occasionally reference non-core materials, but not not too often. This seems to do it. Uh, you know, maybe two, 
three times at most per issue, so it's not a lot. Um, yeah. But it, but it, it, there's a little bit there. Absolutely, and and honestly, while I didn't notice it, it didn't sort of distract from the value of the stuff I'm reading. No, I agree. And yep. maybe it's because I own the things that were referenced or could access that article uh, by Dan Dillon on the Kobold Press website. Yes. So, uh, so let's let's we have a little bit of time left. Let's look at each of the issues and kind of talk about how the themes work and how they sort of um, how how they pull off those themes, right? So so what when they have a theme like the like issue one Midgard and Mythos, right? How does Midgard and Mythos sort of guide what kind of articles you can expect to see? Uh, and is there anything in any of those articles that particularly stood out for you as worth uh, discussing? Hmm. Um. Yeah. Um. I would want to say honestly the the uh, the very first thing in issue one, the Forbidden Mountains of Beldus. I want to read that as a, as a, a modern world country and pronounce it as Beldistan, but uh-huh. I don't know how he how he means it to be pronounced. That's but, how I uh, pronounce it. Okay, yeah, which is by Wolfgang. Um, I just uh, I think it's a great little. It's it's kind of a I don't know maybe a county sized area. That he's he's kind of put some plot points in and is kind of giving you a general outline and yeah there's enough stuff for for you to run your players around for several weeks in there mm-hmm. and uh, it's just compelling you know the, mm-hmm. he he makes some really and I think but I think that's something Wolf is really good at anyway is making an interesting place and like it's kind of place it's, and it's yeah. kind of a weird like uh, a weird cult sort of driven culture there and and yes. and all that kind of stuff uh, which was interesting to me because it feels like it has a little bit of void connection it doesn't feel the most lovecraftian mythosy as i would have expected mm-hmm. as as the first launch out of the gate of the first issue i i would think that like You'd want to just really nail that that theme, um, and it it's if I squint, I can definitely see how it fits into the theme, um, but it's not a real strong like home run in terms of the theme of the mythos. But the mythos, the idea of mythos is big and broad and, and covers a lot of things, right? So sure, yeah, yeah. The, I think it's more on the like when I finished this article, what I was the question I had in my mind is. How much is the void part of their mythos the same thing as the Cthulhu part of their mythos, or what is the overlap between them? Was the question I was asking myself. Yeah, in my head, I think it is, but I'd, I'd have to go back. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not the expert on the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the um, in the first episode, the the last article actually, the the void taint effects article. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, First off, it ties into the theme quite nicely. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the point, it felt like, oh, here's the thing I could lift out and just n- rename some things, and it would work just as well. You mm-hmm. know, I I could just as easily uh, take this and put it into, you know, uh, some some sort of outer realm creature in uh, in Forgotten Realms or or mm-hmm. you know. Uh, uh, in uh, the Ebron, there'd be like the Dalkir mm-hmm. or something like that, and have those effects just be applied to that, and works just as well. Um, and and they're nice little effects. They're you know they're not game breaking. They're 
you know, kind of creepy, and they they uh, they feel a little, uh, you know, a little shady, a, a little, you know, madness tinged. They they mm-hmm. work on the level that they're supposed to work. Mm. Yeah, and they're and they're not just disadvantages. They're kind of a mix. Each thing is a mixture of an advantage and a disadvantage in some way, for the most part. And uh, yeah, it's this. If putting this into D and into standard D and D world would be putting it in the same campground where um, aberrations live, beholders yeah. and elithids and things like that. It's that part of the the maybe forgotten realms mythos. Mm-hmm. Now, there was a tendency I noticed in this first issue, and I didn't notice it in any of the others, but there was this tendency in the few couple, I think two spots, where they throw in these these random tables, and it wasn't in that article. Um, I mean, there were random tables in that article that you're discussing, but in two yeah. of the other articles, there were these random tables where it, it occurred to me like they were trying to kind of go old school and include lots of random tables and things, but like the random tables weren't specifically referenced in the article. Uh, so it was a little like weird to me. I'm like, okay, I guess I could figure out how to use this random table, but it feels a little bit like they're just throwing a thematically appropriate random table uh, into it that that DMs can sort of peel out and and use for however they want. But there's no like specific context to it, so that seems seemed a little weird to me. Uh, and maybe they yeah. noticed that too, and that's why it it doesn't do that uh, in the later issues. Um, but it's one of those things like like uh, like I mentioned before the little the little things that uh, are a little bit confusing or not well described or whatever that comes from uh, a short little zine that doesn't get heavily play tested, right? Sure. Sure, yeah, and in some cases, the like, uh, I'm looking at the random table that's in the uh, the legacy of the unhinged gardeners, yeah. and the, the, the mention of the table within the narrative is on a page earlier right um and and only in one sentence so when i hit that random table in my reading i went okay hang on i missed something and well, i had yeah. to go back and go find it again and in, in maybe in physical form those are on facing pages and so that would make a little more sense but i in pdf form you you lose track of stuff flipping back and forth. That's one of the mm-hmm. weaknesses of the format is it's hard to just flip back and forth and remember where things were. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. There it is on the previous page. So maybe they do. Uh, no, you know what? It, based on the layout, I don't think it does face each other. But um, I could just be reading the layout wrong. But in any case, there's stuff like that. Uh, and we basically, I mean, we've almost talked about all the articles there. So let's go ahead and move on to the next uh, wait, issue. Oh, Tracy, did wait, you have something? I just want to say the Dread Gazebo. Yes. <laughs> yes. Of course, the Dread Gazebo. That. Yes. Uh, uh, that king daddy of the old school throwbacks. I was going to say a call out to, to old school D&D uh, yes. uh, humor. I won't oh. say which article it's in, so I don't spoil anything too much. But, <laughs> but there is a, a location of a dread gazebo. Yeah, I am. I am genuinely embarrassed at how much joy that gave me when I read it. <laughs> I, I, it's, it shouldn't have made me that happy. Well, I'm glad it did, and because of that, I'm glad Tracy brought it up. So. Yeah, I, I forgot to mention it. Good job, Tracy. You're uh, issue number two is titled "Dread Magic" uh, as the theme. Uh, so, so it, it gets it like there's, there's themes within the theme, right? So it starts off with like blood magic and there's a couple of articles on blood magic and then it goes into like 
this enchanter that did crazy made a bunch of crazy magic items and then haunted things and and necrotic ticks and you know those couple of short articles at the end was just like eh here's a couple of monsters with with like a one or two page article for each one of them or whatever sure and that it works mm-hmm. uh the the necrotic tick is genuinely creepy um i mean and it it makes for some great like you read it and you go okay i could I could totally write this encounter mm. of that you run across these sort of nasty looking guys and you realize what's wrong with them is that they have these necrotic ticks on them mm-hmm. that, that, that have been yes. keeping them alive. Mm-hmm. And the ticks are compelling them to come and tackle you so that they yeah. can find a new dose. It's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. a neat... It's a what were those what were those articles called back in the Dragon Magazine days, Jeremiah? The the something the ecology, the ecology. of so and so. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Back in the day, this would have been the ecology of the necrotic tick or something right. like that. Yeah, and and I mean, this theme is a little bit weird to me um, in the way it plays out because blood magic certainly fits into the theme of dread magic, right? Um, and there's two articles on blood magic, and both of them I think work really well. One of them is mostly just a bunch of magic items, and the other one is sort of a, a, what an organization or some lore around specific types of blood mages and, and some tweaks to, to things around them. Uh, but then you get into another article, what is the the legendary works of Arshin the Enchanter, which yes. doesn't feel so much dread so much as hey you had an eccentric enchanter he made a bunch of magic items here's some lore and stats for a bunch of these magic items and the organizations of people who would like to go and gather them all up yeah um, that one that's the odd that's now ironically that's my favorite article in this issue it's, but it's the outlier they're, they're of cool the items yeah but. yeah it, it is the outlier it's it's kind of a, a happy now it gives you it gives you written instructions for okay you can play this dark by doing it this way or you mm-hmm. can play it happy oh, at least by for doing the organization way, yeah but, yeah, but uh, the items themselves yeah. and the, the 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 backstory behind it didn't feel dread, right? <laughs> yeah, if it was, yeah, I agree. And and I feel felt like um, the it it finishes with an artifact of Arshan's calipers, which are you know this way of like you can measure like magic and souls and and detect magic at will and and uh, determine the qualities of a magic item with some study with these calipers or whatever. Like it's a cool item. Uh, I feel like there's information missing you know like most artifacts you get a little bit of like the personality of the artifact and what its goals are and and all of that kind of stuff and this doesn't get much into that even if you read through the backstory they're sort of like this is how they were used by arshan but they it doesn't have i feel like i'd have to fill in some of the gaps to make this artifact you know to justify an item of this kind of power Yes. I, w- I want it to be an integral part of the story, and there's not a right, strong right. story behind these really kind of cool items. Yeah, that's right. But I tell you, this is this article is the one that is pretty much 100% guaranteed of all the stuff we've mm. read to get into my campaign because it it just meshes up perfectly with a dangling plot thread I left mm-hmm. about a year ago in my story, <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to use this. Well, and the, and the one I want, I, I'm probably going to steal right out of it. This, this I think was a was a, a particularly interesting issue. Uh, is the the city of blue blocks? I just really like that that weird location that somebody cast this this ancient ritual or whatever and missed 
by 50 miles and ended up, you know, summoning these weird alien blue blocks. Uh, and there's like cities, a, a city built on top of these giant blue stone, these 10 giant blue stone blocks. And um, if you can find the right remaining tablets, you can figure out how to inscribe runes on them. And then they rise up into the air and doors appear on them. And you can delve into it and, and pull out the, the loot at the bottom, which is all a little weird and contrived. Like, like, uh, you know, it's ultimately like you get down there and you find these things and, you know, I guess it's important. And, um, you know, why are they there? What, what, how did all that all come about? I don't know, but I can fill in some of the story because it's a really interesting and unique location. Sure. Yeah. It's a four page write up of it. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot to, there's a lot we'd have to fill in. Right. But it is a very cool location. They, I like it a lot. With the map by, I was going to say with a map by Dyson Logos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and cool. and the one of the pieces of artwork that's with it really reminds me of the old scene type stuff. Uh, it's the one with the fortress on the, the, the pillar. Yeah, like the keep on the on the stone block. Yeah, yeah, because that is definitely it definitely feels like somebody had cut out uh, something that looks like a tree with flowers and pasted it on <laughs> other art. It feels like an old very... zine, is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think we're coming to the rapid conclusion that we should probably start our own zine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, remember the conversation the we zine. had. Yeah, yes, I remember the conversation we had before the recording, wherein I'm having a hard enough time keeping my headspace organized. <laughs> so sleep. If, if you yeah, if you would like to, if you or any other listeners out there would like to start a tome show zine, I will totally support it. We will post PDFs on the on the feed. Uh, which can be downloaded through most podcatchers. Uh, I'm on board with that, but uh, don't ask for me to help because <laughs> I can't do that for maybe a year or so. That's right. You have more pressing projects. Yeah, let me finish a PhD and then we can talk. I'm just saying sleep is highly overrated. Mm. <laughs> My body is quickly disagreeing with you. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, let's let's move on to, uh, as you point out, we're... we're Moving along in time, let's move on to issue three. I thought issue three was an interesting um, sort of it, – it feel felt to me – so the theme is is Undercity, right? We talked about it being sort of the 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 Undercity portion of Zobak, the city of Zobak. Um, but it also in some ways feels like an evolution that gives some hints as to where the project might be going in the future, the kind of names they, they bring in to work on projects, what kind of, of articles are, are on it. Um, I don't know if, if the zoomed in or zoomed out thing is just sort of them experimenting with something uh, as a thematic uh, element, and then we'll see where it goes and how popular it is. Um, I am not a patron at a level where I get to provide that feedback. I don't know if either one of any of you are patrons at a point where, where you're asked for feedback or uh, how much you engage in sort of the community conversations when they post things? Uh, I don't tend to. I basically just go and download the, the, the zine when it comes out, and that's all, all I interact with. Yeah, we're, we're uh, at our level, we, we get a sneak peek at things, and we can throw some comments at it, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, not a whole lot else. Well, yeah, yeah. They, they show sneak peeks, and then they, they post the, uh, the layers. Yeah, and it looks like it looks like at five dollars you get the same sneak peeks I do at one dollar. It's at seven dollars okay. that you get a monthly patron only call for requests. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, yes. so none of us are really. We're all just getting sort of a sneak peek of the kind of things they're working on. 
Yeah. Um, but so do either of any of either of you uh, engage in those conversations? Do you post anything there? I I haven't yet. Um, okay. yeah, most of the time, it's here. Here's the thing that's coming, and you know, right. So, what am I going to put? <laughs> yep. It's, okay. That's, right. No, and, and I disapprove. And, and that's yeah, right. and, that, and that's that's about where I'm at. Like I, I'm that's great, but like, as we just discussed, I don't have a lot of that free time, so I'm just happy to download my my monthly uh, zine yeah. and, and call it good. So, so this yeah. one, uh, I, like, like I, I go said, and I look at every bit of it, but I don't. But I haven't offered a lot of feedback yet. Yeah. So this one is the the Undercity one, and it has some interesting locations. Of particular note, we've mentioned several times the the fonts of poison and power. I think Tracy, you specifically mentioned you like that one. Yes, and I want to give a shout out to the Jeff D artwork on the cover. Ooh, the artwork. Just, oh yeah, I, with a yeah. With the kobold uh, surrounded by rats, or is it a rat folk, or what is that? That's not uh, a kobold, uh, is it? That's a what a were rat or something? Yeah, it looks like a were rat. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, it's a it's a I'd say a, a, a rat folk surrounded by a bunch of little ratty minions, which is a little uh, bit interesting as yeah. in as much as it's thematically appropriate for the theme, but yet the articles don't discuss like yeah. rat people or were rats or whatever like at all. No, but it gives you an idea of something you might want to do in the setting. And... Sure, yeah, that's right. And, and the artist was with TSR, so ah, neat. Neat. So, so cool. we were talking about uh, the fonts of Poison and Power. I found them to be really in- engaging and interesting. Uh, I did have one of those little, like, this could have been playtested moments with, I think, the first one, the Adventure Fountain, where uh, the first drink, it gives you a bonus to, to an ability score, depending on which kind of adventure it depicts, um, which totally works and makes sense to me. Um, and then in, in subsequent, subsequent drinking... You have to make a save, and if you fail it, you actually permanently lose a, a point in a stat. And it specifically calls out a permanent decrease. And it yes. occurred to me, I don't know if the increases were permanent. Like, there's no time limit given. There's no. It doesn't use the word permanent. Um, so I was just, there was just, like, those little things. It's like, I guess I could do it the way I want to. In other fountains, it sort of works for, like, D4 hours or whatever. Um, yeah. I don't know what you guys thought about that one. But I really like the concept and, and, and the lore yeah. on these. Yeah, cool idea. Um, I think my my players might rise up and kill me if I if I did that to them. Um, <laughs> that feels very old school D and D. You know, remember that character you've been playing for fifteen sessions? He's dead. You know, uh, that's very old uh, well, old school it, uh, revival uh, type of stuff. On the yeah. other hand, it's also very uh, like it's so iconic that like if you drink from this, it will give you a benefit, and you can keep drinking from it, but like. I think most people that I know would be like, oh, yeah, but how long before something bad happens to me? And it's going to be really bad, isn't yes. it? Like most people are going to yeah. go to that well anyway. Uh, so I don't feel too bad about, about some <laughs> serious consequences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, pu- yeah. I'm, I'm punlicious. Yeah. But yeah, this was a very good article and and probably the strongest of all of them. I, mm. they're, they're, the the lesser golems one was the one that I found the most creative and amusing. That I thought the yes. this this one, the James Heck one, was the the best one. And the lesser golems one, I want to give a shout out to to friend of the show Sean Merwin, uh, who wrote yes. that one and the one right after it as well. Uh, it 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 feels like it fits the theme maybe a little bit less well. Um, the lesser golems and then the the peck. 
which is a, a throwback to an old Underdark uh, race of creatures um, that that they've sort of brought back in, in this form, right? Um, yes. Not as directly Undercity-ish, more... And the golem thing is, it, I mean, other than it, it's lesser quality materials, and so they kind of describe it as uh, like trash golems, right? Uh, which oh I, yeah, it's it's great. Which I'm sorry, go ahead. I suppose being trash golems, like that's the tie to Undercity because that's where a lot of the trash ends up. But it's a it's a it's a loose connection, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, well, but it's an interesting they, article. So yeah, well, they're, the, they're the alley cat versions of real yeah, B&B sure. golems in that sense. I mean, one of them's called a hair golem, and I'm just right. like, <laughs> You know, the, the hair golem is actually super creepy. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's like, <laughs> but it's not a super threat. It's only one quarter uh, uh, challenge. Right. Range, so. Yeah, I, but... Wait, <laughs> gonna start where did that hair come That's one I'm going to have a bad dream about tonight. Yeah. <laughs> where, did, where did that come from? Who did they take that hair from? <laughs> This is gross. <laughs> Whoever you want it to come from. Your drain. Uh, yeah, apparently. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued by the fact that they threw in like an actual little short adventure written by Brian Seskind, uh, who's done a lot of stuff for for Cobalt in the past, uh, and it's interesting and and whatever. I kind of. I kind of wish it had a map uh, since it's an adventure with just like multiple locations and encounters or whatever. But it it's also sort of like it doesn't really need one, I guess. Um, but it is kind of a weird thing, right? Because you're basically going down a what a, a cylinder filled by a giant ooze, and you have to like keep the ooze at bay with you know fire or whatever, so you can go down and explore and get to where you need to go. Yes. Yeah. I uh, I actually like the Cloven Nine. It's a nice little thieves guild type thing okay. with a magical. Uh, twist to it mm-hmm. uh, and I thought that was that was a nice little touch uh, the the the, uh, the two stars of that particular episode though or are, are, are not episode article. issue oh, issue article uh, is uh, is the font the the fountains and the uh, the golems I think mm-hmm. the golems just gave me story ideas you know it was like who builds these? <laughs> well, see, in my mind, uh, the only way I really want to use these golems is by having the players find the lesser tome uh, manual of golems, and they can start making them, right? So then, that's who builds them. My my players, <laughs> and they run around and, and act as servitors. Well, sure, yeah. I, I I just like the notion that like somewhere in the, um, you know, in the undercity, there's this group of sort of almost hedge wizards. Putting together oh. hair golems and, and glass golems and things. Yeah, yeah, that would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, kind of half crazy wino uh-huh. wizards that yeah. are uh, yeah homeless guys living under the under mm-hmm. the city. <laughs> I, I mentioned the the um, the throwing in of, an, of an adventure here, which is unusual given that they'd have the layers, which is kind of their place for adventures. Um, there was one, and I, I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun little jaunt. Uh, I kind of hope they throw these in every now and then uh, in the future as well. I did find it a little frustrating that like the big MacGuffin of why you would go into this thing is because there's the legendary jade tome at the bottom, and then the last paragraph is, and then you find the jade tome. It looks like this, you know, and what's in it, you know, your your GM can figure that out. It's like, 
Wait, what? Right. No, give me some, at least give me some ideas. Give me give me some sources. Like it could be this. It could be th- like give me something. <laughs> and like what the heck? Like the whole MacGuffin is is this this book that they went after, and then you don't tell me anything about what could possibly be in the book. Like I appreciate you giving me the the creativity and the freedom to sort of make what I want out of it, but you know. It's kind of a it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> that reminds me of the never-ending story when the whole thing about her name. Uh-huh. Cuz it's a similar sort of like it can be whatever name you oh, want. But you haven't read the book. In the book it's an actual name. <laughs> I, I actually did read the oh, book okay. too, but in the movie. Yes. Sorry, I will <laughs> yes. clarify. In the movie. <laughs> but but in the book it's a dumb name, so I guess it's fine that the movie <laughs> left it out. <laughs> So they improved it in yes, the movie. I think so. I think so. <laughs> so, right. uh, one thing I would point out to so one of the things I do like across all the issues are they're kind of like the Dread Gazebo and then having Jeff D do the, the cover art. Mm-hmm. And then the last piece of art on here, uh, I can't match up um, this signature artist mark of with the, of the, the pack. Uh, is it the rat guy? The one oh, on the, the back, the mouse. Yeah. yeah the the, the mouse. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I didn't even see that. That I didn't go that far because I hit the I hit the OGL uh, <laughs> text. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, so I don't know who the artist is. I don't know if somehow Dyson did it or not, or if it's meant to be. But it reminds me a lot of his cross hatching, which is a very big thing, like an inside joke in in mm. a decent part of the community because uh, Dyson kind of brought back. Uh, or help to rise to prominence, a very old school way of doing mapping. And his hatch marks, people have copied to the point where people say to Dyson that, oh, your hatching is like everywhere, like not realizing that he started restarted the trend or whatnot. Uh-huh. They make comments about how his hatching is like what everyone else is doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I, I just thought it was funny. So I kind of yeah. wonder if there's a lot of those sorts of nods. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, we have gone uh, a long time on this. Anybody have any last thoughts on any of these individual issues, the articles, or or general thoughts about the whole uh, Patreon project that they're trying out? Like, Cobalt has a long history of doing, we have not... of doing patronage projects. This is just the, the latest incarnation of them trying that. So we, we have not discussed the various layers that they've released. Uh, we haven't, and, and only the two of you, you and Lewis, can really speak to that. So please do. Uh, yeah, it um, the layers are, you know, like the name suggests, not actually adventures. They're like mini adventures. They're mm-hmm. like ten pages, eleven pages tops. You get a little bit of a hook. You get a map. You get some stats for the monsters, and that's it. Um, but you get two of them a month. And they are perfect for dropping into whatever game world you're running in. You don't have to do these in Midgard. They are not so tied to Midgard that you can't do it. The one thing that I would say about them that may cause people to balk is these specifically say things like use the stats from Tome of Beasts for this thing. Sure. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, in these in particular would require a certain amount of, of you have to have that book. You can't, yeah. you, you can't wing it. Um, but, uh, I mean, they're, they're all interesting. Uh, like the, uh, the most recent one is, uh, uh, I think 
Bernick, uh, the uh, Beginnick game, the Beginnick game, and it's uh, a little town, and there's uh, uh, like a, a foul-tempered uh, fair folk who lives near there, and there's a tower, and you have to go. Uh, to the tower to investigate what's going on and find some missing children and you know it's it's interesting it's a nice little side mission uh, and it's perfect for doing the drop in well I'm not sure what you know I'm ready for them to hit that that ne- next big spike so like here's a little side road here's mm. my my equivalent of a random encounter they can go do this little side mission and, and then get back on the road. All of the layers are about that level of uh, of impact. Yeah, they're all they're all three to four hour sessions, probably. Um, simple map, simple location, but in my opinion, without fail, every single one of them has had an interesting and worthy little plot plot in it. You know, um, I think they're fantastic and well worth the what you're getting for them. Okay, so is it, would it be would it be fair to say that if if a collection of of warlock issues is is similar to uh, reminiscent of Dragon Magazine, that the layers are reminiscent of Dungeon Magazine? Yeah, uh, a little bit. Um, Dungeon tended to have some uh, sort of here's some adventure arcs. They were a little larger because they had more to work with. These are each only about 10 pages each. Um, but they're good. And, uh, there are a lot of them. Yeah, okay. there are already seven and yeah, they're great. They're man, nothing to complain about. Every one of them is interesting. One particular one. I find the art like genuinely frightening when I first opened it. I was <laughs> like, Oh, ha, ha. <laughs> so, so well done. And you get yeah, those and- at a, what is it? A $3, yeah, at a three dollar a month uh, patronage, you get the the layers, or you can what are they what do they cost on the store? Um, two dollars if you want to buy an individual layer in the store. So if you're not looking to get all of them uh, for two dollars, which is about what twice the price if you're getting about two a month otherwise, um, for you can oh, just yeah. pick out the one or two that you want and, and spend two dollars on them on the the Cobalt store. Also, yeah. all the maps in them are done by Dyson Logos. There you go. Um, Nothing which wrong with that. Would be a, would, which would be a selling point for some people. So it's worth mentioning. There you go. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a nice ad. Um, we also talked about price comparison of buying them individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the print covers, they give a price. And the price they give on the print covers is uh nine dollars and 99 cents per issue for the for the for the zines not for the yeah. the layers yeah yes. for, for for warlock yeah um and uh so if you're at the five dollar level you're getting uh a ten dollar book um it, you know every couple of months for ten dollars plus <laughs> so you're paying you're more or less getting your money's worth yeah. out of it yeah. Plus, you're also getting the PDF for it, mm-hmm. and you're getting four uh, uh, little adventure side roads on top of that. Yes. So, yeah. 
Yeah. And they're for all different levels, which is really good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I'm looking at number three is third level. Number four is four, uh, eighth level. Number five is 16th level. Uh, you didn't find a lot of stuff that's written at that level. Um, uh, Night Seven Steeds is sixth to seventh level, mm-hmm. and then the most recent ones, second and third level that uh, that Jeremiah was just talking about. So they're giving you lots of variety, lots of drop-in opportunity for all different wherever your party's at in the world and what level they're at. Okay. Very good. So there's lots there to think about. Any other last thoughts? We've gone well over our hour. Of course we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I think they're great. I think they're marvelous. I am quite happy with what I'm getting from my money with this, and I I hope they keep doing it for a good long time. And I'm getting exactly what I want to get out of it at the level that I'm supporting it and that I have time to really dig into. So uh, even at a dollar a month, um, there's some good value here. Yeah, and I would say that um, it encourages – it makes me look forward to getting the book uh, that I got from – the, the Kickstarter 5th uh, edition version of mm-hmm. Midgard um, and makes me think, you know, if uh, when I get it, I may try and start a, a Midgard game because yeah. I do like the setting and the extra material just makes me go, okay, yeah, that I did like that setting, didn't mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. And, and when, the, when those products uh, come out, maybe we'll have to look back at those uh, as well. Uh, and see how the, the the new Midgard stuff comes out. I'm looking forward to the adventures as well. That's um, that's part of what I'm looking for, right? Part of me wants there to be a Midgard, not just a campaign guide, but an actual campaign that I can run through. Um, you know, so that that will sort of introduce me and the players to bits of the world as we play. Um, but they've they have a lot of adventures, so there's plenty of stuff you could piece together into a campaign if you wanted to so we might have sure. to come back to, to midgard i guess is my point hey when you uh when you finish up school maybe i'll run you a, a game on roll 20 or something there you go maybe all right well if there's no other last thoughts i'm gonna go ahead and call this the end of the episode we'd like to say thank you to our sponsor noble knight as well as our guest uh jeremiah jeremiah where can people find you uh jeremiah um, McCoy.com is where I post everything. There you go. And Lewis? Uh, the best place to find me is Rev uh, at Rev Lewis Brenton on Twitter, and you can find links to everything else I do from there. No underscores cool. or any of that, right? Nope, just at Rev Lewis, L O U I S B R E N T O N. There you go. Awesome. Uh, we'd also like to say thank you to our patrons from patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Such as Keith Bryan, Garrett Cologne, Christopher Gray, Leonard Pelshay, Jeremiah McCoy, Matt Bible, <laughs> Doug Palmer, Mark Richmond, Bruno Gans, Jonis, as well sure. as everyone who sh- shops at Amazon and DMs Guild from our affiliate links at www.thetomeshow.com, uh, where you can also find other great Tome Show shows. Like the Monstrous Ecologist. New episode coming soon. Uh, yes, actually, or, I, or possibly I've already, it. or possibly already come out, depending on when this when this gets edited and, and put out, right? Absolutely, uh, I've recorded. I've got to do some uh, editing, but uh, it's right. recorded. It's about Tarasks. Ah, the the, the fabled kaiju of D and D, right? Hmm. Absolutely, sweet French right. though. The French, yes, the French kaiju, <laughs> uh, as Tarasks go. 
<laughs> All right. If you want to get a hold of me uh, or anybody else on the show, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. I say me because it comes to me, and then if I need to forward it on, I will. Uh, or you can call the biz line at 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E, 919-BIZ-TOME. And that's episode 299, where we went to the undercity of Zobek to talk to you about Warlock. In this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to, like me You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D You don't dress up to play D&D Unless you want to, like me You don't think we fancy, let me teach you about class Priest, fighter, rogue, cast a kick your ass You don't think we street, look at this table full of rice You don't think we hard, just touch my dice You don't think we can get it at the birds and the bees I'm a pallet in the suits, but a thief in the shoes My character shoots, cause they full of the brim With maxed out sass, out to effing my DM He think he in charge, we don't worry about him Simple when he out to get us, be like Jack the Scram Master player, traitor, master creator Look at me, master NPC generator Just cause she a master doesn't mean you have to hate her Got a boy, I don't need to be no master later I don't care if over there your character is dying Cause it's just like baseball, there's no crying You wanna join in, now you start realizing We're the cool, cool nerds, call me Neil deGrasse Tyson D to the R to the A, good S, D and D The dungeon master sets up a scenario Then he or she asks where would you like to go? We talk as a group, then decide together. There's no winning, yo. We could play forever. Stay right there, let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. Stay right there, let me answer your questions. I'll clear up all your misconceptions. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D. You don't dress up to play D and D unless you want to. Like me, you don't dress up to play D and D. D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D unless you want to, like me. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D unless you want to, like me. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D. You don't dress up to play D&D unless you want to, like me. I'm on the wall.